Welcome back to Movies On My Mind with me, Rosie, and today the next film that I'm gonna have a stab at is Little Women, 2019, directed by Greta Gerwig. And it is 100% up there on my list of favourite films of all time and to be honest with you the more I watch it the more I get out of it which is insane and I'm going to talk about it and as well from this point onwards I'm kind of a little bit I don't really know what this podcast is going to turn into every time I go to make one I have a different idea about what I want to do and I'm just kind of messing around until something kind of fits or maybe I give up or maybe I just discover something else I don't know this podcast is definitely an experiment so many I think my episodes will change in terms of like in terms of what I'm gonna do next in terms of my structure in terms of what I talk about the answer is I don't know so anyway this episode I'm gonna try and make different again from everything that I've done so far basically so I'm gonna do the film that I'm gonna kind of talk about this week is Little Women and I watched it the other day again and again I just get so much out of it it's so rich there's so many different emotions in it and I really like appreciating all of that I went to go and see it in cinema actually as well when it came out I'm trying to make it into like a cozy episode into kind of more of a conversational one I'm not gonna project so much or am I I'll try not to project so much onto everybody else I apologise in advance. Okay, so the book is written by Louisa May Alcott and Little Women was first published in 1868, which was, that's a long time ago. However, it is a very important book for me in terms, not important book, but like it's, it's, it's a very classic story and obviously it's American. It was not, it's not British or anything. This is where the confusion happens and it happened to me. Basically, Little Women in the UK is the first half of the story and there's a second book that is sold in the UK called Good Wives which is the second half of the story and it's a separate book and in the US it comes under one book called Little Women which is where I was confused because I read Little Women not realising there was a Good Wives and I only ever got the first half of the story went to go and see the movies and was like what? Did they just make up the rest of the story? Like, what? Realised that I'd missed half of it because I hadn't got the other book and I hadn't read it. Why did that happen to me? No words. But anyway, don't ever make that same mistake. I'll give you a little bit of a summary. If you don't know this story, read the book, watch the film, I don't know. Anyway, so basically, it's all about there's four sisters, the March sisters, Meg, Joe. Beth and Amy are the four March sisters and they live with their mother and because their dad's off on some war thing so their dad kind of comes back kind of doesn't but anyway there and it's basically just about them growing up and what other characters can we add in so we've also got Laurie who is the boy who lives like in the next house to them it's in the olden days he lives in like a big mansion with his grandfather and basically the girls befriend Laurie and all this stuff happens just having fun whatever and then yeah it's just kind of the events of their life and I can't really go too much into detail because major spoilers but I will spoil the end now basically so we see the four sisters and then at the end they all get with other people because at the time marriage was 
safe marriage was what the option was or whatever and obviously people get married anyway because they want to imagine but (laughs) anyway another guy who is laurie's tutor mr brooke marries meg joe wants to be a writer amy does some painting and goes and travels europe with their aunt march who is meryl streep in this film and is like an old lady who is with their relation has no children but she's rich so she can do whatever she wants a bit of an icon and then yeah and then there's beth and major spoilers please don't shoot me i mean if you've seen friends they also reference it there beth does die she has she basically contracts an illness when she was younger which then weakened her so then the next time she got it again she finished her off so beth does die and then right at the end amy and laurie then end up together even though laurie has always been really good friends with joe and actually asked joe to kind of like marry him but she was like no that's complicated we're gonna talk about that of course we're gonna talk about that in this and then yeah joe does eventually have a love interest at the end frederick bohr and he's presented very differently through the other films and other adaptations however the more i watch it the more i like him so all is well and yeah so basically it's just drama like it's family drama and that's what i really like about it is that it's so you feel like it is so real because it's so personal you see so much of their lives which i really like that kind of stuff anyway but i just love a bit of drama that's what I really like and I like seeing like the struggles and all that stuff but also most importantly I feel like Little Women is I can't rave about it enough because it feels you feel so seen and heard within it this film and obviously I've seen other adaptations too this film particularly when I watched it for me this is a film in which I feel seen and heard, which is a weird thing to say, but it's a safe film in the fact that, and it's quite a comfort film because I feel seen and heard, like, the way that I live my life, the way that I think about life is very similar to this film, and the things that are in this film. It's insane to say that, and it's insane to say that because this, obviously this story, and it's still set in that time, came in like, it came out in, like, 1868, like, that is a long time ago, Yet, I'm sat here in 2022 watching it going, I feel seen and heard in this movie. Yeah, so let's like move on to how this film is set up because this film is set, structured very differently to how normal, the normal films and the normal retellings of this are structured. And we have Greta Gerwig to thank for that because she wrote and directed this. I feel like I'm going to be doing some more Greta Gerwig episodes and more Sir Ronan and Timothy Chalamet. We'll get into that. But this film, this film. So I'm just going to go on to the structure of the film. So for me, I first watched this and I was a little bit, you know, overwhelmed with it. And I didn't really completely understand the mishmash structure that it has. I really, really love that structure now. The more I watch it, the more I notice and the more that it makes perfect sense to me and I think it's such a beautiful way to retell the story in this way. Because it's all about this film overarches Jo completing a novel that she's always, always wanted to do 
but it's her journey to the complete novel that this film is and I think that I've never seen that that is not how the other films portray it and it's not how the story is necessarily set out and I think that it actually brings so much more depth because it's her journey as a writer but it's her journey as a person as well and I love that the fact that we see her journey to write this book so we can see at the end just how much it means to her and like the scene at the end when they're making the book and then she's like looking in on them making the book is like that is exactly what we've just done you know her watching the book being made that's us watching the film the emotions that we feel watching the film really do mirror and completely match the emotions that we see joe portraying Saoirse Ronan as joe perfect casting by the way i love it anyway the emotions that she's portraying very much match ours as a viewer which again makes this film feel more personal like we've come on that journey with her which i really love but anyway so i really like that structure so what happens in the structure is it's not necessarily we start in the present yeah we i'd say it was the present we follow joe and we start from her in the present and then all the way through the film we have the storyline of being in the present but we also have woven into that we also have the past storyline and the only reason we can tell the difference between them is the color of the shots so basically the present day is quite dark quite dull a lot of blues in the present day and the past is rich with color it's so colorful it's like really intense and really homely and that's how we can tell the difference between um present day and the past and then we follow the sisters as well through that and as well there's locations that match us to the past as well so if they go to like a certain place or if they go back to their house we might have a scene coming after that was in the past that happened in the same location but just in the past and we get to we get a really privileged position in which we are the reflection of that so you know when you look back on the past and you reflect on things and you look on things differently that's us as a viewer we're given like the perfect opportunity to do that because we literally see them side by side we can see what has changed and to be honest with you sometimes it's like well what has changed and you go well they have changed that person that character has changed the characters changed their attitudes have changed they act differently now so i really like that kind of addition to it because that's growing up and that's why this movie is so special for me because that is what growing up is and the more I see it the more obviously it resonates with me so deep yes 100% my cup of tea yeah and at the start like we see Joe, and she doesn't want to give her name to the books and the the kind of stuff that she's written she doesn't want to put her name to it obviously that is what happens anyway the original book of Little Women, I don't think Louisa May Alcott got her name. It was kind of anonymous. Because again, throughout history, there's been there's been a real issue with, you know, women being taken seriously for their writings. And again, I don't think this is necessarily a work that is taken seriously enough. For how many people can be seen and heard within this, how many people are represented by these four sisters is insane. It's just, it means so much. And this is a journey of of joe going from i don't want to put my name on my work to to being like this is my work this is my life this is who i am and not being afraid of that and i think that you know it does take her the entirety of the film to realize that and the more you watch it the more that journey is prominent depending on who you focus on again because we follow 
all the four sisters, not just Joe. And sometimes it's like, well, what happens in this film? Because nothing really happens that much in this film. And again, this journey is quite emotional. This journey is transformative on a personal character level and it requires a lot of attention from the actors. It requires a lot of hard work for that to be seen. And the more, obviously, I watch this film, the more I see that. Like at the start, it's like, well, what is wrong with their life here? And I'm like, what is wrong with their life is they're living their lives the way they they thought they should, the way that their younger self wanted them to live their lives. But does that make it right? Does that make you happy? And at the start, we see all the characters just not happy. And that really sets us up on a real great emotional arc in which all of the characters by the end are transformed. And it does promote that the journey afterwards is clearer. And at the end, everyone seems much happier because they've kind of accepted the events that have already happened in their life and I think again another reason why I love the switching of the times is that that's more prominent again and that's themes that you wouldn't necessarily have picked up if you just read the book in the order just read the book you know how it's supposed to be read god and how many already I'm gonna say well great fine adaptations of it do but this one just I like the reinvention of it which I didn't necessarily like when I first watched it that's the thing. I didn't necessarily love this film when I first watched it. However, the more I watched it, the more I am in love with this film. <laughs> it really does make me feel some kind of way. Let's get emotional on here. And there's some amazing lines in here that just speak to my soul. So yeah, talking about with with you know the past and the present and and the future and all of that kind of binary stuff is a big theme of this is we look positively on the past here. The past is in. Com- it's in bigger colour, it's, everyone's more childish, everyone's kind of more open and big, and everyone's kind of less afraid. But the argument here is that, yes, that makes the past look good, but the present is soon going to be that past, if that makes sense. So the present, which is dull, because it's the present, will one day be seen as that colourful past. So then it's like, well, what really matters what matters is what you take from the experiences and if you take good things from experiences then in your memory it will be reflected in a positive way (laughs) so deep but that kind of thing I love I really love films that do with time memory truth yeah just all of that I really love because it's so vague and there is so many different ways you can take it and each character will take situations completely differently and I just think that that's really cool and you see loads of different perspectives and that's something I really like. As well, with the past and the present, sometimes we have like contrasting attitudes as well, like so someone might say something in the past and go I'm never going to do this and then the present is them doing the opposite of what they just said and I think as well that that just seems more real again there's loads of there's loads of moments like that where a character would would say I don't want that sorry I'm just thinking right just coming to my head I don't know whether they're right next to each other in terms of in the film but they're definitely an attitude from the past attitude from the future but basically so on Meg's wedding Joe has is is there and she's quite sad she's quite annoyed because she doesn't she doesn't understand the fuss about this wedding. She's like, don't get married. And Meg's like, well, I like, I love, I hope she loves him. She loves jo- John, that's his name. She loves John Brooke. And she's like, oh, I'm going to marry him because I love him. And Joe's, this is in the past, so she's quite childish at this point, but she's like, so Joe's got like a little flower crown on and she's like doing a frowny face. And 
she's like don't get married to Meg and Meg is like yeah but I love John Brooke and she's like yeah but you'll get bored of him in two years but we will be interesting forever it's kind of laughed off and everything at that point anyway a few scenes after that after Joe turns Laurie down she gets really upset and she's like well if he asked me again I would probably have said yes and then her she's talking to her mum and she's just like yeah but do you love him and then Joe goes I care more to be loved and then she says the whole women have minds as well as hearts speech and then she's like but I'm so lonely and that's kind of the heartbreaking element of it is that you see the attitudes of the past being completely destroyed before your eyes and how naivety can make us everything seem so optimistic when actually the reality is that things don't always work out the way you want it to. Okay so also I wanted to go on to the fact that this film does not change actors so basically in some of the other films I'm gonna use the I think 1994 version with Winona Ryder as Joe in that one is basically they Winona Ryder is always Joe and I think Meg might be the same actor and also Beth yeah Beth is the same I think is maybe as well because she dies oh well (laughs) no and then Amy Amy's actor changes because it's Kirsten Dunst I think plays Amy and then her actor gets like she changes because when she's older she is seen differently however in this film they don't do that they use the same actors all the way through now there is some people who don't like that and I can understand why but also I don't think it's a big deal because because of the themes that are in this to make it more you know poignant I think it's important that they did stay the same because as a viewer when you see an actor being switched out for someone else it's like oh who are you (laughs) who are you (laughs) you know And basically, so Florence Pugh plays Amy and she plays Amy all the way through. So she plays her as a child, but then also as an adult, even though Florence Pugh looks like an adult, which is a little bit strange. Although Florence Pugh does have quite a youthful face. Obviously, I love Florence Pugh, so fine. But like, I think that it does work because... Florence Pugh does portray her as a child very well and we can see the difference between her as a child and an adult and we know that this film isn't necessarily about it being believable this film is about the emotional journey that Amy goes through and I think seeing her as an adult as the same person is important because then we can see how far she's come and how different she is one thing that really sticks out for me is the fact that Florence Pugh does make Amy quite a, a big overacting character. She's quite dramatic. She's quite, you see that childish, you see in like the things she wears, of course, the costume changes as well. But then we see her as older and she's in more constricting clothes. She's much more reserved, but not reserved necessarily in like a shy way, reserved as in, you know, I've got a job to do here. I've got to do what I have to do. And that's all I want. She's very much more poised, more elegant than she was as a child because as a child she was pretty crazy and all over the place. And I like to see that journey because then you can tell that she's older. Another thing with it is, of course, the different shots. So we have the past shots and the present shots. The past being really bright and colourful and the present being quite dull. You can also tell that as well. So I think overall I don't have an issue with their not changing the actors. I prefer that they wouldn't change them but again it's up to personal preference but I think it it did work in this case 100% so next up I am going to talk about Joe and Laurie right Joe and Laurie Timothy Chalamet and Saoirse Ronan 100% I love them as a pair 
they work so well together. It's perfect, perfect casting. Now, Sir Ronan and Timothy Chalamet were also in another Greta Gerwig film together. They were in Lady Bird and they played kind of love interests a little bit there as well. But Timothy Chalamet actually turned Sir Ronan down in that. However, in this, they played Joe and Laurie and Joe and Laurie are best friends. They meet when they're younger and it is Joe that introduced Laurie to the family. In the past, when we first meet the March family, we are introduced to the March family through Laurie's eyes in the past. And I really like this, and I noticed this the last time I watched it, is the way that Laurie sees them is really important because I think if we didn't see the March family introduced to us through somebody else or th- just throughout nobody, I think they wouldn't have the same effect. But I really like how we see it through Laurie and his opinion of them is so lovely. It is because he's an only child, right? He doesn't even, he doesn't have his parents around. He lives with his grandfather. So he's been a lonely kid. And then he meets the March family and they're so close with each other. They have so much fun you just see, you see them through the eyes of a child who just needs friends, who needs people to see him and to hear him and to help him feel welcome and you 100% see it like, he looks at them and then he just like smiles to himself and then he, when he walks out, he looks behind them, behind himself and sees Joe through the window, he smiles and it's all warm and colourful and it comes from a place of admiration that he sees them in that way. And I think that's important because I think through other eyes, you just see all four silly little girls. (laughs) Silly little girls. Like four silly little girls, why would we care about this story? But when we see them through Laurie's eyes, he already cares and he is enamoured by them. He is so impressed by them that, you know, it makes us as the viewer go, this is an important story. We need to see how this turns out. And I think that if we didn't see it through Laurie's eyes, that would have been different. I really like that. I really like that because that's not necessarily a perspective that you get in the book either. He's so happy to have known them and you can just see it. And I I really like that. That is how it feels when you meet people that you really need in your life. And he definitely really needed the March sisters in his life. Okay, let's talk about Joe and Laurie even more. So basically, Joe and Laurie end up being really good friends And I think it's because Laurie always maybe wants to be like Joe or he just, he's quite, I wouldn't say he's necessarily like a popular guy. He's not, he just needs friends. Joe's always been very supportive of him and vice versa. That does not make any sense. Anyway, however, this does turn into Laurie maybe, well it does, this turns into Laurie admiring Joe to the point where he's, you know, he really likes her. He wants he wants to maybe marry her and you see it from the beginning the way he looks at her but she is absolutely clueless and just sees him as a friend but they do get on really well and we uh, we see this through the others which I think is really good as well because we need it spelt out to us but they never talk about it you know Laurie would never go I really like you Joe do you like me back it's all within body language and it's all within other people's relationships that we're able to set up Joe and Laurie. So basically, the first time we kind of see this properly is okay, I'm gonna do this one. This is a past scene, but basically, Meg and John Brooke go to the theatre and Joe and Laurie come too. And Laurie looks at Joe whilst the theatre is happening and Joe doesn't really reciprocate. She's 
completely enamoured with what's on stage rather than him. And then we also see them sat beside John and Meg and they, of course, John would look at Meg, turn away, and Meg would then look at John. So it's very, that's equal, whereas with Joe and Laurie, not so much. We see this scene of people sitting in a theatre mirrored with Frederick Bohr, who is kind of like the end love interest for Joe. And the thing with that is that they have distance between them because they don't really, I'm guessing because they didn't really know each other and they're quite closed off people. And you see him look for Joe, but he looks up to Joe in like an admirable, oh, where's Joe kind of way. And she is up there looking back down at him, wondering where he is. And that's really important for Joe because the first time we see her, she's running. Like she's, she's out of here. She's a track star. She's running and she's quite energetic and she's always got to be doing something. She's got to be searching and for something. What is her next goal kind of thing? That's really important because the way that her and Frederick have that is quite a traveling thing. It's like a, he looks for her, she searches for him. So it's kind of equal in that way that they both kind of are willing to go out of their way for each other. Whereas with Joe and Laurie, Laurie would do that for Joe, but Joe would not be sure to do it back. And it really does, The their relationship is set up, the more I see this, is set up for them to not, for them, obviously that is what happens, but it's you are not on the side they should have been together you're on the side that they were never supposed to be together that takes a few watches and a few reads and a few kind of thinking hours for that to happen because they do get on very well but as friends and that should be an important thing that you can have friends like that and you don't have to cross that line but i think laurie's always seen her in that way so it didn't really work. So, so basically, another one is Meg and John get married and there's a little shot at the end where there's them kind of going to their house, kind of kissing, whatever. They're married, basically. And then that is the scene where Joe and Laurie have, have it out in that field with that beautiful autumnal backdrop. Oh, it's not loading. I wanted to get the monologue up. But basically, he says to her, he's like, I've loved you ever since I've known you, Joe. And she's just like, what? Like, I was not ready for this. I don't know what to say to you. And I think that, again, that mirror between we've just seen Meg and John get married and we're happy for them. And then, you know, all of a sudden, Laurie's asking Joe, you know, let's let's do it. Let's get married. And Joe's like, what? No, no. She's like, no, I can't. I can't do that. She's like, I love my liberty too much to give it up or something. She says like that. And that is, yeah, a great mirror because... We, sh- we can see their incompatibility there. Now, plain devil's advocate though, Joe and Laurie do get on very, very well and Laurie does end up marrying Amy. We'll get into that. But after that happens, he does not stop loving Joe. He just goes, I love you, Joe. I There is nobody else. I will always love you. And she still can't say yes to him. However, he does get married to Amy, so he stays in her life. And she's like, we can just be friends. We'd kill each other if we got married or whatever. And he won't you know, take that, but he still sees her in that way, and it's like, well, surely if someone adored you that much, why would you not say no? And Joe does say later, I care more to be loved, and that is precisely why Joe and Laurie should never have gotten together. What if they did? And now here is my other point that is, Joe wouldn't want to ruin her relationship with Laurie. Yes, technically it's already ruined, but wouldn't it be so much more ruined if they got married? And what would that ruin? her perception that we see so beautifully throughout the film, her perception of her childhood, 
would be completely destroyed if she married Laurie. That is something she doesn't want to give up and I think fair enough because in all of the scenes that we see through the past, Laurie is in a lot of them and as well as Laurie being in them, Beth is in them as well and that is her memories of Beth and her perception of her past would be very, very different if she got married to Laurie and maybe they were unhappily married. I think because there was that possibility of them being unhappily married, Joe was like, no, and she doesn't want to ruin that with Laurie because who does she have if she doesn't have him? It was 100% the right decision. Don't fight me. But if you have any other thoughts, please let me know. But for me, the more I watch it, the more I see it, Joe and Laurie should never have gotten together. No, they didn't. So good. They should not be together. You heard it here first. Joe and Laurie... No, no, no. Okay, but interestingly, Laurie does marry Amy. Hmm, interesting. And Amy is Joe's other sister, but Joe's kind of rival. They really don't get on. They're very, very similar, which is why it doesn't work. They have a love-hate relationship. Amy's very petty. Amy does burn. I love the scene where Amy burns Joe's writing because she wouldn't take her to the theatre with Laurie. Amy has always liked Laurie ever she's been younger she was maybe a bit younger than her sister so Laurie was never Amy's friend Laurie was Joe's friend and but Amy has always liked him always admired him and all of a sudden he's coming into her life after Joe said no and going and you know maybe mm, mm, like he kind of gets into her head and there's many many different instances where this happens but Amy is annoyed because she says, I have spent my whole life loving you, and all of a sudden now, because you can't have Joe, she said, I've been second to Joe my entire life, and all of a sudden now he's like, I want you, Amy, and not Joe, but only because Joe said no, and in a way, that's pretty heartbreaking, and as, as I've put here as well, that with Amy always kind of feeling that way towards Laurie, and she's been younger than him, so it's kind of been like a thing that was would never happen, but it's in her head. There's a safety in that, in, there's a safety in her admiration for Laurie and the fact that it would never happen. And then all of a sudden, he's like, come on, Amy, let's get married. I like you now. And I think that, again, that was quite an unfair thing for her to do. But again, she can't deny herself that she doesn't love Laurie, because she does love Laurie, but it just didn't want to be didn't have to be like that it didn't they didn't want it to go like that but as well I think that in a way part of Amy's journey throughout the film is choosing Laurie she was engaged to somebody else but she turned him down for Laurie and I think that she'll always have that desire to better Joe and I think that potentially she's kind of like fulfilling that desire by marrying Laurie being like Laurie chose me but also in marrying Laurie she is choosing herself because for so long it had been her responsibility to like marry Rich to marry not for love and I think that with Laurie she is marrying for love but also it's lucky he's rich it would be a lot more complicated if Laurie wasn't from a rich family but luckily he is so she does again choose herself over accomplishment there is also another quote where amy says to laurie i want to be great or nothing because she's painting and she just doesn't feel like she's getting anywhere with the painting she's like i want to be great or nothing so a lot of amy's life has been 
turned into some sort of accomplishment, some sort of you what can you do for the family? And she's always wanted to be better than Joe because Joe is so determined and so out of there that she doesn't really care as much. But Amy's always kind of seen that as a as a kind of like a, a goal for her to reach to then surpass. So I think that yeah, maybe Amy and Laurie settle for each other. I think it's a mutual settling because Laurie wanted Joe but couldn't have Joe, so he has Amy. And also Amy was going to marry someone else, but then decided she was going to choose herself and also better Joe by choosing Laurie. But I mean, if they're happy, they're happy, I guess. And that's the messiness of it. And I think the beauty of it as well is that in real life, relationships with your family are very, very complicated and they don't always go the way you want them to go. And they're a little bit messy, but I think that in this, it is shown as very real and shown, shown very well and very authentically. I think as well, um, talking about Joe and Laurie again, I've said here that their incompatibility can be seen, is obviously seen in their body language, but they are quite playful in terms of like, they'll hit each other or like that kind of thing, like play fight kind of thing. And they're either running from each other or chasing each other. And I think that that contrast and that chaos is another way of us from the beginning of the film being able to see that they're not compatible. And it makes perfect sense that they don't end up together because there just isn't equality there. And again, let's let's bring in Frederick. With Frederick, who is Friedrich or Frederick. I don't know. What, Friedrich. Why am I calling him Frederick? I don't know what his name is. Anyway, at the end, he's her like... He's a professor at the boarding house she stays in in New York. And he is intellectually her equal. I think that's something that Joe had never kind of experienced in that way before. Because obviously Laurie had always admired her and everything was always better than him. Whereas with Friedrich, they're kind of on the same level. And again, that's really important. And that's something that in this film is is everywhere. Like relationship, equality and whether people are equals whether someone is putting in more than the other and that is what makes compatibility work in this film and I think as well in terms of the context in terms of being able to live prolonged married life maybe with someone you don't even you don't even love or whatever equality is a hundred percent important is really important equality of in partnership is very important and is seen all the way through okay so what else have I got here basically Oh, I've put here as well. Timing is everything. So with the Joe and Laurie, Amy and Laurie kind of thing, timing is everything. I think in a different time, if Joe hadn't said no to Laurie at that time, and because afterwards she says, oh, maybe I would say yes. And maybe Amy wasn't just about to get engaged to somebody else. This, again, this outcome would have been completely different in life. Timing is everything. So if it's not the right time, it's probably not going to work out it's just insane yeah so that was crazy that's the little bit little women for you and this film does resonate so much with me so much so you ready for this i did a quiz i did the ultimate march sister quiz and i wanted it to be authentic and i wanted it to be real because a lot of people are out here especially on tiktok people saying they're joe people wanting to be joe people saying they're amy are they doing that because that's just their favorite or are they doing that because they actually are a Joe or an Amy or a Meg or a Beth? Now, I used to think that I was an Amy. I've always said I was a mixture between Joe and Amy. And a lot of people can say that. However, the more I watch this film, the more I'm like, yeah, but I'm a little... B- I'm, I'm Joe, though. I'm Joe, though. Like, I don't... Everyone wants to be Joe, so I'm like, I can't say I'm Joe because it looks like I'm trying to be Joe. 
So I'm like, I'll just say I'm Amy. Or I say I'm a mixture. But then I'm like, but actually, am I a Joe? So to prove it, I did eight quizzes. All the ones that came up like on the Google search page. And this is real. I do have screenshots that I can't show, but I do have them. Six of them came out as Joe and two of them came out of it as Amy. So there you go. That is officially my results. I think I'm a Joe. I do feel like I'm a Joe, but sometimes a bit of an Amy. And I love it because so many, I think they're so rich, like the characters are so well developed for female characters that especially during that time as well, it feels so real and I think that's something that you don't really get in female characters in film and in books and things like that. Not always, that's never been the case, it's always been the hero being the man and the less developed characters being the women and for once we have four heroes here and they're all women and they're all developed and they all have lives and they all have struggles and I could talk about this film all day, which I have been. A little bit of an acting appreciation at the end, however I will be here for all day, I know I will be, but let's dive in. Saoirse Ronan as Joe, 100% amazing casting. Saoirse Ronan is one of my favourite actors, she just, there's so much energy in her and so much like fire and she can be really vulnerable as well. It's like that vulnerability, she's just not afraid of it and she uses it to empower her characters, which again, works perfectly for Joe because Joe's character is is like that. She gets upset but then she powers through and she's quite aggressive in that way and Saoirse Ronan is perfect for that because she has that drive. Like Greta Gerwig also directed Lady Bird and Saoirse Ronan was the main character in Lady Bird in that one as well. A similar character to Joe, you know, she's quite unconventional but really fiery and really determined to kind of get her own way and Saoirse Ronan is perfect at making that really prominent in the characterization and then I'm going to add in a bit of Timothy Chalamet again I'm a great fan of Timothy Chalamet I really am and I'm not going to deny like don't laugh at me I just why would you laugh he's really good he's just really good and I love him as Laurie he's my favorite Laurie that I've seen because he's quite what's great about Timothy Chalamet is a little bit feminine and I really think that helps him because that makes his character I don't know, just like more expressive and he's quite, he's very slim and I think that Laurie being like that kind of little bit of dweeb character is what makes him so lovable and, you know, works so well with the other characters in this film and there's a bit what I really like is when basically Amy gets mad at uh, Timothy, (laughs) Amy gets mad at Laurie at a ball and they're talking about Fred Vaughn, who she was going to get married to, and he goes, Fred Vaughn, everyone, and then, like, does, like, a little spin as he goes out of the room, like, it's just so random, but it just works for his character, he's just a bit, just a bit all over the place, and he's a bit of a kid, and he's a kid because, you know, he's an only child, and, you know, the people he's surrounded by, he's always been surrounded by kids, he's not necessarily learned how to grow up properly, and especially being from a privileged household as well, he doesn't, he is not necessarily as hard as the others because there are times where the March sisters do go without food, but there are no times where a lorry goes without food, if that makes sense. And, you know, he, yeah, he doesn't really have that much responsibility and you can 100% see that in his characterization and in his body language, which works really well. Oh, okay, so what else? Who else am I talking about? We have Emma Watson as Meg, which I wasn't 
I wasn't too keen on, to be honest with you. Nothing against Emma Watson. I don't know what it is. I was, I was, I don't know whether I liked that idea. However, I do think she worked really well, and Meg is quite a balanced character, and I think that Emma Watson really did portray that, and Meg is an interesting one, but I think that Meg is the one who's probably the most patient, the strongest in terms of, like, mental strength of being able to be like this is my life and I'm I'm happy here I'm happy doing this whereas Amy and Joe will never be satisfied if that makes sense and you can see that as well I really really like that and then who else we got Florence Pugh as as Amy again worked really well I'm a great fan of Florence Pugh as well the childishness in Amy I've said about it before came across really well to me it worked I liked it yeah and I really like how Florence Pugh used her face in terms of we you see her as a kid and she's very expressive and then all of a sudden now when she's an adult she just she's not moving her face because she she can't show emotion she can't admit that she's weak and amazing how how do you do that I love that when they do when you can just control your face like that and she just the way she just looks at Lauren she's just like no you know I'm not going to play your games because I deserve better love it okay and then beth played by eliza scanlon i love eliza scanlon is very good i've seen her in this film called baby teeth amazing she played a very a, a really similar character to beth because she was similar in the fact that they'd both die <laughs> spoiler alert but basically she plays a girl with terminal cancer and the emotion the vulnerability i can't even express she just shows everything it's amazing and it's perfect for beth because beth is very quiet so her the way she speaks and the way that she is present in a scene is through other things through her body language through the way she looks at people yeah just you can see the emotion within beth you don't have to hear her speak and then i really love that scene where they're on the beach beth's on the beach with joe and joe goes i'm gonna you know you're gonna be fine and then Beth's like, but what if I'm not, you know, she's like, I know I'm, I'm not going to be fine. It's like the tide coming out, it, it has to just go. It might come slowly, but it's going to come. And that's obviously her talking about dying and it was so beautiful. I really love it. Amazing. And then of course, Meryl Streep is in this film and she does a great job as Aunt March. There's just like the sass, just the, who are these, who are these children? Who do these children think they are? Again, perfect. I love Meryl Streep as well. There's Laura Dern as Marmy, who plays their mother, and again, quite, not necessarily a massive role in this, but really great, because what's interesting about her character is there's times where, you know, she's very patient, she's very giving, she's very grateful, but she'll go, oh, I'm angry every single day of my life, and I think that that relationship and that, that portrayal, that tiny little snippet of that character that we hear and that we see is amazing because that's so realistic like how can you you know you look after your four children your husband's away it's just you obviously they have like a helper in the house as well but you know it's just you and yeah you would be stressed and unhappy that is a given and you and this film allows you to live that life and to live the life that should make you happy and then not be happy because that's that's realistic crazy Again, I could talk about everybody in that film, but 
I think I'll stop here. I love this film. I haven't done it justice. The more I see it, the more I love it. This is a long episode again, but I could not be happier to be looking at this movie and going in depth about it and talking about it and just talking about how it's really important and I see myself in this film and I know a lot of people do as well and I think that's really important. There you go, that's just me ranting again for flipping ages. Anyway, so I'm gonna end it here. Hope you enjoyed this one. I don't know, obviously I'm gonna do like little Spotify polls and stuff. Join in with them if you want. Comment on things, give me your thoughts. I would really appreciate it because sometimes I'm literally talking to myself and I feel like I am just talking to myself, which is what I am doing. You know, there's not a lot of opinions you can just keep inside one head. So any thoughts, please let me know. And I will be here next time with another film that I'm going to rant about too. So I hope you enjoyed this and until next time.